Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we continue the conversation that Jordana and I were just having off the air about my dog's poop schedule. Now, Jordana, since you asked, he's normally very, very good at pooping right before bed, but recently he hasn't been doing that, and he's been pooping erratically during walks, oftentimes having a very large poop in the morning, and then maybe one or two smaller poops, but uh, we're just a little bit concerned that he keeps on changing the schedule on us. So we're really keeping a close eye on the poop. The consistency also changes quite a bit based on what he's eaten recently and how recently he's pooped as well. So in the mornings, we often get uh, some really nice solid material, but then the very end of it gets a little bit less solid, shall we say. I can't decide if I should just let you keep going or not. (laughs) The worst part about this bit is it's like barely a bit. (laughs) Now read the page you were clearly very fascinated by my I, dog poop schedule when we were talking off the air I was so, def- just read the page you know i'm, I'm really I'd like to oblige you by uh, continuing <laughs> oh gee thanks you're welcome and here's the page it's uh, six uh six zero four i put my knife away and walked to within a half dozen steps of dayton the thunder rolled over us as i caught and held his eyes his expression was defiant and i did not bother to disguise my anger after a long minute of silence He looked away, pretending he needed to brush the water from his eyes. Put that away. I nodded to his sword. After a second's hesitation, he did so. Only then did I slide the thin piece of brittle steel I held back into the lining of my cloak. If we were bandits, you would already be dead. I moved my gaze from Dayton to Hespi and back again. Go back to camp. Dayton's expression twisted. I'm sick of you talking to me like I'm a kid. He jabbed a finger toward me. I've been in this world a lot longer than you. I'm not stupid. I bit down several angry responses that couldn't help but make matters worse. I don't have time to argue with you. We're losing the light and you're putting us in danger. Go back to camp. We should take care of this tonight, he said. We've already knackered off two of them. There's probably only five or six left. We'll surprise them in the dark and in the middle of a storm. Wham, bam, we'll be back in crossing tomorrow for lunch. And what if there's a dozen of them? What if there's 20? What if they're holed up in a farmhouse? What if they find our camp while no one's there? All our supplies, our food, and my loot could be gone. And there's a trap waiting for us when we come back, all because you couldn't sit still for an hour. His face reddened dangerously, and I turned away. Go back to camp. We'll talk about this tonight. No, damn it. I'm coming, and there's not a damn thing you can do to stop me. I ground my teeth. The worst part was that it was true. I had no way of enforcing my authority. There was nothing I could do short of subduing him with the wax simulacra I'd made, and I knew that to be the worst possible option. No doubt it would turn Dayton into an outright enemy, and it would undoubtedly turn Hespi and Martin against me too. I looked to Hespi. Why are you here? She darted a quick look at Dayton. He was going to go alone. I thought it was better if we stayed together, and we did think it through. Nobody's going to stumble onto the camp. We hid our gear and doused the fire before we left. I gave a tight sigh and tucked the useless pinch of ash into a pocket of my cloak. Of course they did. But I agree, she said. We should try to finish it tonight. I looked to Martin. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. And Jeremy has dissolved into a slurry of bone and meat, still agonizingly alive to be devoured over the course of many weeks. I have a question on the copy. Yes. In your book, where it says, I knew that to be the worst possible option, what is the next sentence? Not only would it turn Dayton into an outright enemy. Oh, okay, never mind. 
What did I say? I don't know something else. It wasn't that. <laughs> I okay, remember well, looking at me like, wait a minute, that's a different word. Well, pardon, pardon, pardon. Here I was excited for a weird copy edit. Yeah, there's fewer and fewer of those, I feel. They do crop up. I thought for a moment that Quoth was going to use the piece of metal to um, stab the Mommet, but he couldn't have known it was Data. And I thought he had a knife. Didn't he have a proper knife? How come he's using a piece of, unless this piece of steel is the knife. Oh, yeah. But no, he put my knife away. Oh, okay. He had a hidden piece of steel. I get it. Okay. So he had his knife. He put it away, but he kept the steel in hand uh, like a little shiv uh, just in case Dayton went after him. Oh. So he had one that was obviously, but he wasn't actually unarmed. I see. Okay. I put. I finally put that together. I didn't clock so that initially. So he put the knife away so that he would appear unarmed. That's right. Uh, interesting. That's right. Because he still doesn't trust Data not to go for him. I don't blame him for not trusting Dayton. Dayton is obviously not a person who's gonna listen to him or respect him so i think that's plenty of reason not to trust him yeah i'm so i guess he was gonna use the shiv on the i guess knowing that dayden is there he's got the shiv now to use on the momet although i don't don't think think that that was the original purpose of having the shiv in the ash yeah maybe for blood i don't know i don't i don't actually know what the shiv is for in this context listeners if you know what the shiv is for Right in. Maybe it's probably glaringly obvious and we're both just too tired to notice it. It's possible. Also, I think that your theory like an episode ago about how like the little piece of metal and like the ash as like a a heat or energy source like as like a projectile feels like a potentially realistic choice. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how you link the flame's energy to the to the steel. Yeah, I also don't know that, but, uh, you know, I am willing to keep an open mind. <laughs> yes. I don't I don't come up with the how. I just accept the the occurrence. <laughs> yeah, just sort of lay back and let the narrative wash over you. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to think too deeply about it. I'm pulling a Jeremy. Uh, OK, well, in his absence, someone has to. Yes. One of us has to be the less close reader. You know what else is pulling a Jeremy? Is all of the harpies that are tearing his flesh apart, strip by strip. <laughs> I wonder what Jeremy will say when he hears this. I wonder if Jeremy will bother to listen to this part of the episode. Oh, Jeremy listens to every episode. Does he really? He listens to more than I do now, yeah. Jeremy's oh, a real lifer. I'm like the most yeah. irresponsible podcaster not only do i not listen to other podcasts i don't even listen to my own (laughs) i don't blame you it's it's i think if i was a listener to this podcast i would take big breaks i don't think i could handle us every day our (laughs) tomfoolery our consistent tomfoolery yeah well i mean maybe that's your thing maybe you're just like oh man i need some tomfoolery just give it to me every day i need my seven to 14 minutes of tomfoolery and if i don't get it i get grumpy well actually come to think of it my favorite radio show is two dudes and a lady just being tomfoolery people. So, I mean, I can I can see the the appeal. You're not going to tell us your favorite radio show? You're going to give oh, us Oh, I mean, I was on it. it. I was literally on my favorite radio show like a year ago. Uh it's The Edge. It's just the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's the radio in Toronto, folks. It's it, I mean, it is the biggest radio station in Toronto, but Is it? Yeah. They have oh. uh they wow. have the biggest listenership in the GTA. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. It occurs to me that 
that demographic, that type of music is sort of like edging on oldies now. Like I know they have yeah. like a classic rock segment on the weekend sometimes. And I listen to it and I'm very upset to hear things from like my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the Super Bowl, all the, the acts in the Super Bowl, I was like, oh, they finally wised up and got a bunch of contemporary artists. And then I was aghast when I realized that they are as old as like the police were <laughs> when they were playing the Super Bowl. We are now the boomers, Jordana. Not yet. Not quite. We don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the difference. We'll never have any money. I will never retire. <laughs> Just trying to get back to the page because someone has to keep us on track since Jordana oh, won't step up. Um, Thanks, Mom. Oh, trying real hard not to go back into a I'm Jordana's mother bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like there's a ton to analyze on this page. Dialogue heavy. Everything is pretty much like there's no subtext. Everything is is what they're everyone's saying what they mean. Um Dayton's being a horse's ass, but kind of has a point, and all of the rest of the party are also kind of on his side. Well, I mean, at this point, they've come too far. Like, they're all here, let's just do it, kind of thing. I am, like, if I was Quoth, I would be upset with Dayton, too. If I was Martin, I'd be like, man, this guy, like, is too much. But, I mean, they are all there, they might as well. Yeah, and um, as I think I mentioned the other day, I think Rothfuss needs them all there for the fight, and it, like, I think this is a bit of work that Rothfuss is doing to make sure that Quoth and the team proceeds intelligently, but also has them all there. I think Rothfuss knows that Quoth, the tactician, wouldn't charge in blind, but uh, he needs everyone there in order to actually have the fight scene and he doesn't want to stretch it out any longer either as a as a writer so we get this moment of tension yeah and i think that like really there was no better way to do this from a writing perspective not that i know much about the writing perspective but as a person who reads things i think that this was the best possible option yeah i agree with that i also love the setting of a fight in a thunderstorm (laughs) i love thunderstorms thunderstorms are like some of my favorite weather I love thunderstorms when it's either very warm or I'm not standing out in them. Nothing beats yeah. a warm rain. Yeah. I like it when it's like hot and raining. It's it's great. It's yeah, so oh, my favorite and, and fun. My favorite is when it's a really hot summer day and then the storm hits really suddenly and you can watch it come across like a lake or a field like in a in like a giant wall. Yeah. That's, that's always yeah, great. Cool as hell, yeah. Yep. I always like being able to look in the distance and see like rain falling from a cloud see the difference between the the sky where I am and the sky and in the distance you sort of see the rain as like a wall or like a mist. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. Let's say thunderstorms can't beat them. I mean, I guess you can. Could you beat a thunderstorm? Well, you hmm. certainly couldn't beat it up. Anyway, this philosophical question and more on tomorrow's page. Well, hang on. We have a segment that we always do. Right, seriously, we're going to do it again? Well, we have to stay consistent or it's not a segment. Fine. <laughs> This is the, I don't have an idea. We'll see you tomorrow for another another page of the wind. wind.